to 36, uh, the podcast in which I invite guests every week to talk about... What do we talk about? 36 <laughs> questions? 36 questions that I meant to get us to know one another a little bit better. And um, yeah, just become closer and everything. I'm Kevin, and I'm slightly tipsy right now. Me too. <laughs> uh, we just um, had a wine and cheese and cracker night but it's not really night it's like 12 o'clock right <laughs> yeah now. morning we're, we're very much drinking day drinking yeah. um but it's chill because we're on break so you're allowed to drink whenever you want on break and even when you're not on break you can drink at work yeah introduce yourself who is this voice that is also in my in my house um my name is ee e. um i'm kevin's high school friend yeah we, we- need each other in middle school Oh, middle school friend, Chinese yeah, school actually. friends, wow. Chinese school friend, band friends. Wow, we really go back. Yeah? Wow. Remember when you had a crush on me? <laughs> okay, we... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you want to get into that or not? I, we can if we want. <laughs> <laughs> There's like really not much to say about that. Although I was talking about... I was telling um Elizabeth about uh, how I was like, meeting you today. Mm-hmm. And uh, to get some background, I told her about like the time that you... <laughs> Can I, can I say this? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. About how you, like, infest your love for me <laughs> in Chinese school. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, background. Chinese school is every Saturday. Um, <laughs> Chinese kids go and learn how to speak their mother tongue. Um, so that's why I never had a life on Saturday besides learning. Um, we both went to the same Chinese school. And basically, we had been in band together. You played the flute, I played the oboe. And I remember every single day after, you would, like... Like be like smiley, cheery, like come up to me, wave, oh uh, my flute god. in the hand. Oh my god! Very obvious that you're into me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, as I was a sixth grader, I didn't really like girls. Yeah. Or know how to interact with them, and so then, um, basically at the end of the year, our last class of Chinese school, <laughs> you you came up to me during break and you told me that you liked me, and then do you remember how I responded? I forgot. Wait. You... I said that's cool. <laughs> Oh my god! I had wow. no idea what to say. That was, that was many, many years ago. It was the most non-committal thing I've ever said in my life. Wait, um, but I remember, you know, after that summer, like, you know, going to seventh grade, I was like, yeah, I don't like Kevin anymore. And then, like, you know, and then randomly you would start saying hi to me in the hallways, and, and then yeah, we started becoming friends. Because I'm allowed to be friends <laughs> sure, with you. Sure, But then, like, in eighth grade or something, like, wasn't there a period where we liked each other? Maybe. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I... I just remember, like, a lot of... We definitely, we definitely went on a date, I think, in 8th grade. I think it was before the summer we, had, like, we went downtown and, like, walked around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't much of a date. I didn't know, like, what how to do a date back then. Yeah, me neither. I didn't even... Like, I guess I didn't at the time think it was a date, but now, like, looking back, it was probably a date. Well, now that I confirmed that it was a date. Yeah, so it was, it was a date. <laughs> yeah, cool. Nice. So my first date was with you. Yeah, so it's a date. Wow. Okay, nice. <laughs> we established that, like, here. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we go, we go way back. Uh, yeah. Good friends for a long time. And then you went off... We went off to different colleges and everything. And yeah, different high schools. Different high schools, too. Yeah, yeah you went to the public high school and went to the private high school because... You're rich, and I'm not. I wouldn't say that necessarily. <laughs> it's because, I don't know, my parents prioritized me going to this or whatever because we knew people who went to the private high school. Um, but since then, yeah, you've, you've just graduated. Mm-hmm. Did you graduate this, this past week or has it been a little bit longer? No, it's been... So this past week was when I graduated officially but mm-hmm. i'm walking the ceremony in may right, right, right. yeah college is a, is a is a time it's been a ride it's really been a ride yeah. it's been a roller coaster but it's been all worth it man it's, it's been super fun and yeah. now we can both move on with uh, adulting yeah and whatnot we were talking a lot about that 
Uh, so you've been a long-time listener. Mm-hmm. I listened to the first episode. I haven't listened to the last one yet, but I will. That's fine, but you've yeah. listened to a couple of them, mm-hmm. and so you kind of know the format of this. Uh, and so I let E.E. choose a question, and the question that she chose was, if you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? And then actually, because you're such a uh, proactive um, <laughs> participant, you gave me the idea of making it like a two-parter where the second question we're going to be answering is if we could thank our parents for anything they taught us, what would it be? Uh, but let's stick with the original question first. Okay. Uh, so tell me if you could change anything about how you were raised, what would it be? I think mine goes kind of deep. And I feel like a lot of Asian Americans can relate to this to some extent. But I think something that my parents taught me like from a very young age was that like your grades define everything about you. And so for me, like I, I remember a conversation I had with my parents where they were like, if you don't get good grades, no one's going to like you, so you won't find <laughs> <laughs> So you're not going to have any you'll, friends. You'll, you'll be stuck liking people and then saying that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, oh, like you won't find a job. You'll be a gar- garbage man on the street. Garbage like, man makes decent money, honestly. Sure. <laughs> Like, yeah, but I mean, at the time, that's like that's how they like said it. Like, and they would look at like a like a public transport bus and be like, "Look, if you don't get good grades, <laughs> you're gonna be taking public transport." And look at me now. There's I definitely like elitist undertones to that. Yeah. Also, yeah. public transportation is good. It saves the environment. Yeah, and like I mean, we live in a suburb, so I guess for them it was like you know like it was kind of foreign. But I think a lot of it, like the overall message, was like they really based my self worth, like or everything about who I am and what I will be on like my grades and like my GPA and -hmm. I think that's something that I wish that like they didn't do because I think growing up that was something that I really had to overcome on my own um is like figuring out who I am outside of my grades because like yeah I wasn't I'll be the first to admit that I'm like not the most high performing Asian American especially in our town I think while not getting the high like the highest grades possible I think it was a constant like jab at like my own sense of like who I am and I think growing up even in college, like, throughout most of college, I feel like um, the reason why I really didn't have any form of self-worth, like, you know, up until, like, this past year, basically, was because of just, like, that mindset that I was taught that, like, I'm defined by my grades. So when your parents told you that only your GPA mattered, and you even told me before, you're the one who told me GPA is is forever. Yeah. And, and like, sleep, sleeplessness is temporary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you feel like you had to sacrifice aspects of your life because you had to focus on your on your grades more yeah i think i remember my sophomore year i literally got like probably three hours of sleep every night i didn't know how to prioritize um, my own health versus grades because i thought like i if, if i if i was healthy if i was getting enough sleep then i wasn't working hard enough i think it's a very toxic college mindset to have uh but i think after like reworking my mind to think otherwise and realizing that like value my physical health is actually really really important for like i guess longevity and like actually like focusing on the things that were at hand um that's when i realized that i'm so much more than my grades and i think a lot of asian americans can probably like relate sleep is super important i mean like you said what the fuck is gpa like sleep is what's gonna make you live a long time and Mm -hmm. i mean i i always feel like this meme around of like you know, trying to brag that you slept less. But kind of like being where I am now, I love sleeping. And if I had more self-control, I would sleep more. But I, I love sleeping now. I would not sacrifice that. Yeah, I definitely, like, now I know that, like, uh, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm really not functional mm-hmm. for the day. And then at the end of the day, like, you really want to be effective more than, like... It's not about how many hours you put into 
like whatever assignment it's like how effective you actually are during the hours that you're right. spending you know japan actually started implementing like a four-day work week oh and they found that producti- productivity has gone up i feel like america in general there's a lot of overworking like in in our culture and like working overtime and like working weekends and things like yeah. that and i think once you realize like to value things like physical health not even just sleeping like you know your nutrition and like nutrition your exercise, like exercise yeah. like all that stuff like once you start valuing that then you really know how to value yourself there's that uh stereotype of asians being the token minority and whatnot and mm-hmm. us like having to like overperform and i feel like now that we've like kind of like established like the, like the young asian americans have realized well at least i've realized like not all of them are going to be like you know super overachievers and because of that that's kind of like brought some peace of mind Mm -hmm. because now it's not like oh just because of my identity i had to perform well like Mm -hmm. there's no longer that expectation in my mind yeah they need to be the best of whatever you're doing you should definitely strive to be the best Mm -hmm. but if you're not it's like fine as long as you're like you're bettering yourself and trying your your hardest especially because of that because there's no longer that pressure of having to be like the smartest or whatever you can kind of focus on other aspects of your life that like matter more to you yeah and i think I guess coming from, like, our experiences living in the Midwest, like, growing up um, as Asian Americans, like, I feel like we live in towns where it's, like, very predominantly, like, white, right? And it's upper class, like, middle upper class, like, white. Um, And so I feel like a lot of the Asians around us, all of them, like, from what I can remember, like, a lot of them are very high achieving. And so when you're put in that environment, you almost feel like being high achieving and like having that GP is a part of being Asian. So then when you were not that, I guess in my situation, like I felt like I was less Asian because I didn't have like a high GPA compared to my peers. And I think going to a college like U of I, where there was a, such a huge like Asian American community there, like I think I got to see like other people who maybe weren't as smart as like as my peers here. Um, and I think it normalized a lot of things that I was experiencing. I felt like my identity wasn't, like, wrapped around my GPA. It was more wrapped around, like, you know, like, other things about being human and, like, being, like, uh, about how we were raised and how we even came to the U.S. And I think that was an important thing to, like, kind of realize about, like, being Asian American here. Yeah. Kind of on the topic of Asian American identity, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring in, like, kind of, like, what I wish I had changed about my lifestyle, yeah. which was there might actually be a question, one of the 36 questions that deals with regret later on. Mm-hmm. In which case, I'll have to think of a different um, sort of answer. But I wish I had learned Chinese better. Mm. Um, Because as a kid, you know, we go to Chinese school, but it feels more like a chore. At the moment, I didn't realize how important it was that I learned how to speak properly. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, like speaking to my relatives, I got to speak Chinese. Going back to China, I had to speak Chinese. There's so many aspects of my life in which I need to, like, know this language well. And I think that, like, my Chinese is decent. I can get by. But it's definitely, like, not where it could have been had, you know, if I could change anything about my lifestyle. It would be, I wish my parents had, like, pushed me harder. I wish they had, like, actually, like, been strict and, like, made me speak to them in Chinese. Or, like, maybe, like, finish my homework. Because I didn't appreciate it at the time. But, like, in retrospect, it was super important. Yeah. Dude, I really, really relate to that. Because I started speaking English to my parents probably in middle school sometime middle school so for the past like over a decade i feel like i've been speaking chinese at home Mm -hmm. and then like once i quit chinese school once i stopped taking chinese in high school i wasn't speaking any form of chinese at all in any aspect of my life for like years and then so then i developed like an accent right like i i have a very foreign accent i feel like now um like when i speak chinese and i actually like feel so ashamed of it like i feel so sad that i have Mm -hmm. it because before i didn't 
Um, and I think this past semester I decided like, oh, I have enough credit hours like left. Um, so I'm going to take Chinese, right? Like at uh, my college. And I think honestly, that was like one of the best decisions I've ever made. Cause like during the time that I was taking Chinese and in a classroom setting, learning new voca vocabulary, I realized like, it's actually so important for me to like get fluent in Chinese again. And when I think about it, like if I do have kids in the future, which I'm not even going to say is like a real goal. Um, but for the like scenario that I would have kids, I would want them to know Chinese. I would want them to be able to communicate to my parents as their grandparents, you know? And that can't happen if, like, I don't even know Chinese myself, you know? I can't just send them to Chinese school and expect them to know the whole language, you know? So I think that's so important for me to, at least now, be important and, like, start speaking, like, more. And, like, I've actually only, like, this past, like, two months started speaking more Chinese to my mom. And it's so weird, honestly, after going so many years of speaking only um, English, but, like, I think it's a hurdle that I really like it's very important for me to get over so I can like improve it. I think it's it's difficult sometimes because sometimes like when I want to speak Chinese I'll say something mm -hmm. and then I think because I hadn't like I hadn't like primed them with saying oh I'm going to start speaking Chinese now. Yeah. The combination of that plus like me like kind of butchering it mm -hmm. makes them like say like what and I just like say in English instead yeah. and it kind of like kills my motivation in order to like speak in. Yeah, it's very discouraging, isn't it? I feel like when you get it wrong or like you get a pronunciation wrong and they have to correct you it's like oh damn i think you have to keep failing and like keep um making those kind of mistakes and at least being mindful that like okay like next time i won't make that mistake again and like i think my mom's pretty good at like correcting me and like being patient with me because she knows like that i'm struggling but like she also like really likes that like i'm starting to speak more chinese or like it's like more important to me now uh she can like wait for me to like find the vocabulary that i need right. um and yeah and even now like I'm done with school, but after I, like, figure out my life and, like, uh, settle down and get a job, like, I'm gonna look for a Chinese school and, like, start going back and, like, finding mm -hmm. the Chinese tutor, because I, like, this is actually really important for me, like, to, like, build. I'm interested to see how Chinese schools will be in the future, because I think this period of, like, the 90s and early 2000s was when, like, a lot of Chinese immigrants were coming over. Yeah. I don't know how many people are immigrating from China nowadays. But it feels like now that we've gotten past like the Chinese or like Asian as a whole like kind of immigration phase, mm -hmm. now it's gonna be Asian Americans like firmly established who are like second generation, third generation, so on and so forth. Yeah. So it's like who is teaching the Chinese schools now? Because I'm not teaching it. Yeah. So we need like people who like really know their Chinese, maybe mm -hmm. who are even brought up here, to be teaching it. And I'm always curious, like kind of like where am I on the spectrum of like Chinese Americans? Yeah. on speaking Chinese because whenever I ask anybody they say like they're decent and I always say I'm decent but like decent means a lot of different things that means like you can't like speak anything mm -hmm. or like you're actually like really good and you can like go back and like be comfortable I feel like most of my interactions they're either like really bad like worse than me like I can't even like say like simple phrases and they'll understand or like they're much much better than like practically fluent and mm -hmm. so I don't know I think it's like our generation as we grow up and, like, start to start families, I feel like it's going to be harder and harder for, like, future generations to be able to really, like, know mm -hmm. this um, language. Like, we have a choice. Like, we can speak English. Like, that's our main, like, primary language, right? And so that's probably, like, the natural tendency to teach our, like, first kid, like, our kids, like, mm -hmm. first language to be English. Whereas, like, our parents, like, they also didn't have a choice. They, their primary language is Chinese. So then, like, a lot of us, like, we grew up understanding Chinese and, like, at mm -hmm. least, like, learning it enough, like, at our childhood 
So it's just gonna be different. My understanding of Chinese, I can listen to it and understand it very well. Mm-hmm. But then when I want to try like conjure up the words, I want to express the same feelings. I can't think of the word. Yeah. Cause I don't use them enough. Yeah. And so it's like a very like lopsided yeah. uh, experience in that sense. Yeah. Whereas like in the future, like you know, they won't have like that. I guess resource for them to like be able to even、mm-hmm. listen or look, understand Chinese that well, unless we give it to them. And if we can't even give it to them, if we're not even good enough, you know. It's true.、So. Although I, I mean, I would be fine if my kid was better at speaking Chinese than I was. Oh yeah. Because the, the also the the other thing is that like, am I ever gonna go back to China to like visit relatives? Because、mm-hmm. that is like a very deliberate act. That means I'll have to like communicate them and like plan everything in Chinese. Yeah. And that's like a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I mean, it is. I only ever really want to go back at currently. To visit China if I am with my family, so、Same. then I had that as like a, a backup or like a support. I feel like if we were to go back to China at our states, like with like a family, like our our like level of Chinese right now, I feel like we just go back as tourists. Like, Essentially, yeah. And that's really sad considering like our like we come from there, you know, like we would have been there if our parents didn't make that move over to the U.S.、Mm-hmm. I think it's something that like it's very worth like considering like moving、yeah. forward, like improving our language. Just like thinking of like future generations. So that was like kind of like my main thing I changed about my childhood. I'm sure there are like a couple others. Yeah, yeah. But that was like a, a huge component of it. Let's go and look at what Instagram says.、Uh, I know there's one response that that is like very similar to like what you said about kind of grades and whatnot. But we'll go through、uh, the first one. Was they wish that they had more of an emphasis slash discussion. On mental health. Oh my gosh, I could go on for hours on this. I'm I'm sure it's not just the Asian community, but I feel like especially in the Asian community is it is sort of stigmatized. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. Uh, I think something interesting that I learned, I mean, is that you know long ago, uh, Neanderthals when they were traveling out of Africa,、mm-hmm. they interbred with uh humans as we know them, and so because of that, like a lot of us we have like uh parts of our genome that are from. Neanderthals.、Mm-hmm. My research instructor at Vanderbilt, he did like a lot of like Neanderthal studies,、mm-hmm. and he found that one of the parts of the genome that is that we got from the Neanderthals and is also highly prevalent in many Asian populations、mm-hmm. is related to depression. And so I'm like, if we're genetically predisposed to like potentially having mental health issues, why is there such a, so much of a stigma against it? Why in Japan is there like this like suicide force where people hide? To like commit suicide in in,、yeah. in in privacy, there seems to be like this like incongruency right here where like we need more mental health resources, but it's not being provided. I feel like it's very much a part of like society, with like most traditional Asian cultures, like even in China, Korea, Japan. Like I've seen so much, I guess, ignorance when it comes to the fact that like like when people have mental health issues, they think oh they're just being weak or like they're just sad. You know they'll get over it, but like they're not acknowledging the fact that like yes, you can have problems, you can be sad, but like it's important to at least like. Like mental health is more than that, you know. It's more acknowledging the fact that you're sad and like,、um, mental health is just something that's like so ignored in like Asian cultures. And I think it's gonna take so many more generations for us to really like get over that. Cause like right now, like the priority was always to like、um, have high achievement. Like you, like you said,、mm-hmm. GPA is important, and it seems like having a mental health issue detracts from your ability to like study or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you like base your self worth off of something like GPA, GPA changes. You know, like you can have you can have a bad day and not do well on tests. Like that kind of thing changes. So when you like base your self worth off of something like that, then like yeah, it's gonna like go down. Like it's gonna be like very、um, inconsistent. But like you don't get taught that like you're 
your self-worth is so much more than that you know like it's something that like it's just like who you are as a person and like i feel like that's just not really taught as much in asian households because it's so focused on like high achieving which i really understand because like like a lot of our parents like when they're our age like around here you know they're not thinking about like you know what am i going to do with my career or like finding something that we actually enjoy right they're thinking about survival you know they're thinking about like um coming to a new country and like figuring out like all these like different things about new society new like language and everything and they're, so they're thinking about like like just getting by and so i feel like they didn't have the luxury to like be in the place that we are right now to be able to think about like self-actualization or like like who we are as people you know like they didn't have that choice so i like understand where it all comes from but at the same time it's like it's still frustrating for like that generation gap for us to like deal with so now that we've sort of firmly established ourselves in this country, do you feel like if you were to start a family, you would put more of an emphasis on that for your kids? Oh yeah, for sure. Like I think after struggling it, um, struggling through it myself, like very very deep waves of it in college, like I think I'm actually glad that I went through it because now I really understand it a lot better and I can empathize a lot better with like people who do go through it going forward. If I do have kids, you know, I would definitely like embed it into like how I teach them to like really embrace like what they're feeling and not invalidate their own feelings and. I would definitely like be open to like things like therapy because I think I don't think that's something that like I was necessarily open to before I got to college when it was an actual resource for me as a student and even now being at home like I don't think like therapy is an option like when I'm under my parents roof you know it was right. just like kind of another thing I think the good thing about reflecting about these sort of issues now is that going forward when we like raise our own families we can fix these things yeah and then they and they in turn will kind of come up with their own set of things that they wish they had changed about their childhood mm-hmm. i think it'd be very ironic if my kid in the future was like oh i wish you had pushed me harder to like do better at school yeah yeah because then it'd just be like the cycle of it but yeah. I, I definitely think i'm gonna push them to do as good as they can but like not shame them if they if they like get a bad grade or something yeah it's really hard to find a balance because on one end like you have to admit like people are very high achieving like you know in our generation and like it's because like we got pushed as like um kids and people are only gonna get more high achieving i think parents are making their kids do more and more nowadays extracurriculars uh high school kids are doing so many extracurriculars mm-hmm. to look good for resumes and whatnot and it's kind of crazy because like now in retrospect like now i think i've done so many extracurriculars that i'm tired i like yeah really enjoy having my alone time i like pursuing like individual interests like doing this podcast mm-hmm. like kind of like getting back into like playing piano and composing like these are things that potentially don't have any like i can't put on a resume except for like a like a little bonus section yeah but i think these like really matter to me and it's like sort of a, a time of self-reflection and i'm getting to do things that i actually truly enjoy mm-hmm. not because i had to fill it out for a resume because it just makes me happy I feel like in high school, honestly, I didn't get that involved in, like, extracurriculars or, like, taking um, leadership positions because I knew there was, like, that, like, people do it for their resume. In high school, it's so much more prevalent. Like, you're doing a club or you're doing a leadership position, 99% of the time, it's for your resume to put it to put it on a piece of paper. And, like, I think in college, that's when I got, like, so much more involved because I think for me, like, it wasn't because of my resume. It was actually because, like, I was actually really interested in, like, the club, like, um, the Taiwanese American Students Club, which is, like, the core of like what my college career really surrounded um what is like surrounded by that's why i did it right i wanted to give back to the organization that gave me like literally my entire college career and i think that kind of experience like that like i i think in that sense like i'm like pursuing like i guess like my passions because i also grew a lot as like a leader and like i like really honed in on like a lot of values that i still hold today as a person how i treat people and like in the professional setting too because of the experiences that i went through as an extracurricular i think that's something that like people experience from high school to college it's like extracurriculars that just mean different things 
for the most part, like, at least in my experience, yeah, because it's not necessarily, like, to put on a piece of paper and to, like, look good and, like, put on this, like, like, resume, but it's just, like, it's actually for the experience itself that you did, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I think if if we, like, completely reformed how college admissions was done, then we could, like, tell kids, you don't have to, like, do this just for the, for the resume, but, yeah. but as, because of what it is now... High school kids still need to do as much as they can. Yeah. But hopefully, at least you find something that you enjoy through that. Yeah. Kind of on the topic of extracurriculars, this person responded, I wish my parents had forced me to play a sport or learn an instrument, Mm. which I think is huge. I'm going to make my kids do that. I want them to find a sport that they enjoy. I mean, my parents made me play soccer. Yeah, you did every sport, I feel like. I did soccer. I did karate. (laughs) I did... um, I did basketball. Uh, I did a, a whole lot of shit. Mm-hmm. I eventually settled on cross country and track because it was the least physical, um, and so that was that was good for me, just being able to like focus on my own self betterment. But also like when I did track, I did pole vaulting, mm-hmm. which was like honestly like super fun. Um, I wish the pole vaulting pit at Vanderbilt had been like open for the public because I definitely like would have taken advantage of that because it's it's super fun honestly i mean i'm not terribly good mm-hmm. like I, this means nothing to you but i could like if i got lucky i got over nine feet which is like the cutoff for being like good in high school mm-hmm. um but it's it a super fun activity nowadays i mean I'd, i really want to get into intramurals like um ultimate frisbee i think it's fun volleyball yeah. even if my kid decides not to do any sport i think first of all like being exercised because you know little kids get fat yeah so I might as well <laughs> yeah have them involved and like you know get their uh their 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 energy out for the day. Uh, also learning an instrument. I mean, there's a lot of good things associated with that, like being better at math or just like better grades or whatever. Yeah. Apart from those, I mean, I think learning an instrument just is fun. I really enjoy playing piano nowadays. You know, it opens up opportunities to like play with other people, like have jam sessions. It's something you can brag about at parties or something. There's a whole lot of benefits to doing all sorts of these things. Yeah. I remember, I always remember you as, like, Kevin the oboe guy, who was, like, really, really fucking good at oboe. And I feel like that was actually a really good instrument choice for you, because I feel like oboe is, like, not too many people play it, and if they do play it, it's, like, it's really hard to see someone really good at it. So when you become really good at something that, like, not a lot of people play, like, holy crap, like, you were... It's, like, a hot commodity. Yeah, it really is. So, yeah, like, I played flute in, um, in high school, and honestly, I don't have that many great memories surrounding that. Uh, but I'm really, really glad that I played it, and, like, I, I did really enjoy playing flute, like, while while I did, and, like, it's a hobby that I'll take with me, like, forever, and, and in terms of exercise, I played tennis in high school, and, like, all these things, like, looking back now, I'm like, damn, I wish I tried harder, or, like, damn, like, I wish I invested more of my time in that, like, and I think tennis is one of those things, but I, I think, like, you know, like, teaching your kids, like, a certain sport or, like, an instrument is, like, really important, I feel like growing up, it's, like, important to have, like, those, like, sobby, like hobbies on the side that you, like, even if you used to do it, like, it's nice to, like, have. Like, it gets you out of the house. It yeah. makes you an interesting person. Yeah. Yeah. True. Are you still playing tennis slash flute? Nope. No? <laughs> I quit flute. So I played flute for about two years into college. Because um, you were taking lessons, actually, for a while. Yeah, yeah. I found a teacher in college. I really, really liked her. Like, she was amazing. Like, she changed my embouchure, and, like, my tone got so much better after that. Um, embouchure being the way you, like, form your mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Sorry. people who don't know jack shit about <laughs> playing yeah. woodwind instruments. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, 
But yeah, I played for two years with my teacher. I played all the pieces that I really was on my bucket list to play. And then I think I ended flute with like a nice, like good recital. Um, Just I ended it on a good note because I think if I ended it in high school, it would have been on a really, really bad note just with like my experiences in high school. So I'm so glad that I continued at least a couple years into college and like had a good like ending to like that hobby because um, now you're you were doing it for yourself essentially yeah 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 <laughs> like it wasn't like motivated by like other people or like being better than other people or um it was just like damn like i just want to play these pieces because i love these pieces you know did you ever play um shamanad i did okay like i played that my senior year of high school Got it. yeah that was that's an iconic flute piece like if anyone gets like even remotely competitive in flute they like they know that piece mm. yeah i played a couple um important oboe pieces i mean there's like a couple like concertos by like mozart or haydn mm-hmm. kind of like where i stopped was there's a uh, this one piece by ravel i mm-hmm. believe who is a famous french composer called uh, tombeau de couperin and it's basically like two oboes with the whole orchestra but oh. it's just like them showing off the entire time <laughs> and it's super fun to play i can never get the whole thing because it's like super complex like technically yeah plus like you can have like really like extremes to like your low range and high range mm-hmm. but also very good piece if you um, haven't heard it yet, you okay. should definitely like, look into Tombo de Couperin. Okay. I haven't dabbled in classical music since I quit flute, so that's, yeah, that's I think that's, that's nice. Do you remember when I uh, composed you that piece? Yes! Was it Foggy Memories? Yeah, it was oh really... I'm still really bad at making titles. <laughs> I remember I gave you a candy cane for like Christmas and then like after break you like presented me with this like piece that you wrote yeah. and it was called Foggy Memories and I was like what does this mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. A terrible title. It had no meaning whatsoever. <laughs> the piece itself, I mean, I think it was good for as a composer when I was like, <laughs> like a young composer. Yeah. In retrospect, I'm like much better at composing now and mm-hmm. thankfully I'm actually like much, I'm back into composing now mm-hmm. which is super oh, fun. That's good. And recently I got like a, an electric piano for oh. my apartment and so I'm like kind of on a roll now with composing and Damn. it's super fun. I honestly like should start transitioning away from playing video games to like reading more and playing piano because I think that's a little more productive of yeah. use of my time. Wow. I remember that like you were always composing music and like always composing duets and they did get better throughout the years because i remember foggy memories and i remember like the more recent ones that you like post like yeah in, like I, later college like college i mean high school years and yeah i i made a piece for you for you and daniel what remember lobster anniversary oh wait <laughs> that was for you too okay when i was still like a homeless romantic i thought like that you two would end up together oh my gosh nice and so it was a um <laughs> it was like a flute piano sort of duet interesting um i i played it i mean i played it myself uh at school because i i was playing with helena dude i don't think i ever played that with him <laughs> <laughs> whoops well at least it was for me then <laughs> whoops honestly yeah. it wasn't that bad it was, it was really cool because i finished that piece in two days which is like the fastest i've ever written anything okay. and actually like wasn't bad and i played okay. it at a couple of different venues i played it at our morning meeting at school i played it at a retirement home interesting so you got more use of i it. got more use out of it so oh shoot maybe maybe you two were my uh, my motivation <laughs> okay, okay to writing it but then i i fulfilled it and you know made use of it interesting good times good yeah times. good times <laughs> uh still love composing wow. i actually i i wanted at some point to like make like an opening track for this podcast oh but i'm just like i really enjoy lo-fi chill hip-hop yeah, piece yeah, to study yeah. too and i yeah. feel like that's the vibe i was going for with the current intro i have mm-hmm. and so if anything i should like make a lo-fi chill okay. sort of soundtrack uh that i can put myself i see all right next one this person basically sent me four different messages because it's a very <laughs> long one but it, this is the one that relates to what you said uh this person said i was raised 
to where the only praise I would receive would be associated with getting good grades, mm-hmm. which was really damaging to my own self sense of self, self-worth, especially when I wouldn't do so well in some classes. So yeah, I would change how my rents or parents... <laughs> Your rents? That's, that's what they said, apostrophe okay. rents. Um, I would change how my parents encouraged and praised me because I'm more than my grades. Oh my gosh, I think that's... That's such a, like, message that, like, you kind of have to learn on your own. I think if I had anything to say to that, like, from what I've learned and, like, where I've come from, it's to base your self-worth off of something that is, like, more consistent. And that's something, like, I think for right now, the only thing that I've really found is, like, progress and, like, growth. Because, like, the thing that I've noticed is, like, once you make progress, like, no one can take that away from you. Even if you take a step back and you, like, you know, retract back even a little bit, it doesn't take the take away the fact that you made that progress in the first place, you know? So once you make that progress and you grow, then you acknowledge it and you, like, feel good about it and, like, you base your self-worth off of that. Then, like, I think that's when it really starts becoming a lot more consistent. So I think that's something, like, I've learned on my own journey. And I think I'm still, like, kind of figuring it out. But, like, that's, like, one step that I've, like, been able to, like... Yeah figure out so if there's anything that people take away from this podcast it's yeah don't worry so much about grades try your best but you're more than your grades obviously yeah the last one response i got was not having grown up in alabama so this person wishes they hadn't been they hadn't grown up in alabama yeah i kind of wish that too I, i feel like our town hudson is pretty conservative i'm not gonna lie you definitely heard about at uh hudson high school what there was like a black girl in the bathroom and then they like they, like, locked her in there or whatever. And then there was, like, something more. Like, they called her the N-word on Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I think that situation was, like, really big. I do think, like, from, like, what my brother tells me, people say the N-word, like, casually, you know? Which kind of brings up the idea of we seem, like, some county in which our mm-hmm. high school is votes blue. Mm-hmm. But just because you're Democrat doesn't mean that you're, like, socially aware and woke. Yeah. Like, because there's not, like, a big representation of the black community in our community, yeah, people will, like, say the N-word, and they, and of course they know the implication, but they just choose not to acknowledge it. Yeah, and I think all, a lot of it comes from, like, peer pressure. Like, other people are saying it, so you think it's okay, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's, like, when you live in, like, a society, or, like, when you live in, like, a town, basically, that, like, normalizes something like that, like, I can understand, like, why it's hard for someone to, like, stray away from, from that, even if they know that mm-hmm. it's wrong, you know? Did that yeah. girl ever get, like punished like expelled or suspended or something i actually have no idea i know there were like three girls involved with that um i want to say one of them was like expelled or like moved to a different school district but like yeah i i wouldn't like count on my words on that because i don't think i followed up on that that's fine because i mean i don't know people who were at the high school like knew this these girls Mm -hmm. said that it was like entirely possible that these girls didn't and i just wish that like our school district took it more seriously. I wish school districts in general took these things more seriously because if you just give them a slap on their wrist, it's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's progress. We need progress. I feel like our school in general, like, um, I'm sure you can speak to Western Reserve, but I know in Hudson, like, uh, this is like a very less extreme version of like that story of what happened like this past year. But I feel like in Hudson, it's a very like understanding how they treat like asian americans you know like i feel like even teachers like once you start a new class once you're asian like i feel you get treated differently because there's that expectation that you're gonna do better and i think that's embedded in like the hudson culture i'm actually like now that i look back in hudson i don't like hate it as much as i did before but like i'm still very critical of like something like that like how i guess different races are treated because there's a lack of diversity do you remember yik yak that like anonymous twitter app yeah 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 i hated yik yak because Basically, I was getting um, 
yaks, I guess they're called, or is it yiks? I don't, I don't know, man. We'll call them yiks, because I think that's interesting. We got, I got all these yiks on my, on my yik yak. Uh, basically, people were like slamming, like the international Asian students at Western Reserve. Mm-hmm. It was like weird. Like they, they would like make fun of their accents and everything. And I'm like, this is not what I expect out of a seemingly progressive, you know, city in Ohio. Yeah, that's, like, honestly disappointing to even hear. But, yeah, I just think, like, because of the lack of, lack of diversity at, like, Hudson High, like, really, like, from what I remember, if you weren't white, you were probably Asian, like, East Asian. Not even, like, you know, South Asian, just, like, East Asian mostly. So with that lack of diversity, like, um, there's just going to be a lot of, like, I don't know, toxic things that get embedded into, like, the culture. And, like, that's just, like, so disappointing. Like, I guess, like, growing up, you know, past that, like, you know, four years later in college and, like, after you understand, like, a little better about, like, racial dynamics, it's just, like, sad that, like, you grew up in, like, you went to a high school who, like, people did that. But, you know, kids are kids, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna let them off that easily, honestly. Yeah, I know, like, yeah. Better to tell them mm-hmm. and reprimand them early on so they know for the future. Yeah. Last part of the podcast is uh, the second part. Mm-hmm. In which we said we wanted to give thanks to our parents for one thing. Um, I can start this one since you started the last time. Okay. I'll just say, I mean, my dad is a professor of physics. And I'm very thankful for him for instilling in me this sense of curiosity. Mm. I think throughout my life, you know, like when you ask a kid, like, what do you want to be? I've always wanted to be a scientist. Okay. And I think it's because of him. Look at you now. And look at me now, yeah. doing my PhD. And so I think it's kind of nice kind of being consistent throughout my life in that regard. And yeah, I mean, I I love being curious about things. I love learning. I love not knowing exactly, like having this unknown and the kind of like delving into and trying to like make sense of data and, and discover things. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like my dad has been like very like monumental in my development of my career path and how I kind of like live life of always questioning things, always being like not cynical, but always like a little like skeptical of, of how you interpret data. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my, my scientific approach has kind of seeped into my personality. And so in that regard, I think that um, my dad has been like instrumental in who I am as a person nowadays. And so I'm very thankful for him in that regard. Oh man. I feel like that's actually so important, like in general to like have a mindset of like always questioning things around you because like everything around you is like, not always fact like that's why i realized like i feel like i'm like opposite of you i feel like growing up i just like trusted whatever like was like handed to me and i feel like i'm very much still kind of the way like kind of that way but i've like learned to kind of question it a little bit um but yeah i I respect like people a lot more when like you know they can bring in a new viewpoint into the discussion and most of the ways they do that is by questioning like the viewpoint that's already been like presented and for me i just kind of trust whatever is like thrown at me and i think that this sort of this skepticism and curiosity is involved in everyday life i mean Mm -hmm. even like my political viewpoints i don't like being in like the echo chamber i do like hearing what other people have to say because sometimes they make Mm -hmm. valid points it's not the best idea to dismiss everything they say just because they don't necessarily agree with what you say on a baseline level true true what is your thing that you're thankful for I don't think it's necessarily something that they taught me, but it's something that I, like, noticed by example. I guess I have to go back to, like, how my parents even came to the U.S. Um, So, like, my dad first, like, traveled to Germany, right? And he, like, 
didn't know the language, didn't know the society, like didn't know anyone, right? And he created his li- a life for himself. And then he brought on me and my mom. And then that's where like we had my brother. And then like he did it again by coming to America, um, to Ohio, and didn't know the language, like barely knew anyone, you know, and just created a life for himself. And then like after like a couple years here in America, like he decided to quit his job and move back to China and start a life for himself there because he thought he had better opportunities there. And he did that again, going back to China and like, you know, starting an entire new life. So I think watching him do that and like thrive in every single environment that he threw himself in, I think it taught me to not like fear change. I guess going into college was like the first time I was like, like I went to U of I, right? And only two people from my high school went there. And oh, like, U of I being Urbana, Champaign. Oh, yeah, yeah. University of Illinois. Yeah, yeah. And like, I didn't know anyone going in. So like, I was starting on such a clean slate and it was so scary. And I had like literally no social skills going in. And so I think I dealt with that change like decently well. And I created a life for myself. Like, and now after graduating, it's like crazy to think back, like all the things that's happened. And now going forward after like college, I'm not scared of, like, what's to come. Like, I'm not scared of, like, having to, like, uproot my entire life again and, like, you know, like, start new again. I feel like I'm very adaptable now because, like, if just, like, watching what my parents went through, I can just, like, handle whatever, like, comes my way, like, no matter how good or bad it is. I think a lot of recent college or high school graduates mm-hmm. are kind of, like, afraid of the future. Yeah. But I think at least, like, what you've said and what I have already experienced is that not knowing what you're doing is maybe kind of a gift in a sense yeah it means that you can do whatever you want you have like boundless opportunities and i think it's good to be in a period of uncertainty because mm-hmm. every day is new you never know what's going to happen you might go in unexpected directions and that makes life interesting yeah and i think that's again a good place to be i mean being stable is great but you don't always want to be stable and that's exactly what my friend told me in college like I think sometime last semester, I was feeling really shitty about, like, like not knowing what I'm going to do. And he said, like, you know, I think uncertainty is actually really exciting, too. And I think it's partially, like, a lot of my friends in college that I've met, they taught me to, like, trust myself. And I think as long as you trust yourself and your values and how far that's taking you so far, like, just trust that it'll take you wherever you need to go. And I think that's why I can even live in this state right now where I actually have no idea what my next step is, but I just trust that, like, I'll be okay. And, like, it's taking, like... It's taken a whirlwind of, like, disasters, so much, like, rock bottoms to even get to where I am right now. But, like, I'm, like, actually really excited now. Like, it's kind of crazy, like, that, like, I'm even at this mindset that I'm right now. That, like, I'm excited to, like, just figure out whatever is coming. I'm happy for you. That's a good place to be. (laughs) You're back home consistently for the first time or forever. It's an in-between period. Which, you know, I'm, like, I have a love-hate relationship with, but it's okay. I'm doing good for now. <laughs> for yeah, now. For now. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully for the future. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is one of the the more empowering episodes I've recorded of this podcast. <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna I, I I'm gonna thank you for oh no problem making it very um self reflective, bringing on important issues of identity, mental yeah. health, those sort of things. You know. Oh my gosh, I have so much to say about those kinds of things. Then maybe next time we can talk more. Yeah. You know, if you if you do well. <laughs> If my analytics for this episode are very good, sure, I'll invite sure. you back. Cool. <laughs> I'll consider it if you yeah. do. <laughs> uh, do you want to plug anything? Not really. I'm mm-hmm. very private, so I feel That's like... That's fair. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I mean, you are a body attack instructor. Oh, yes, I am. And I definitely mentioned that in a previous episode. Yeah. And so at the very least, check out body attack. It sounds super cool. <laughs> um, I don't think body attack is like widely available. I haven't seen it in many places. Yeah, yeah. So it's under a 
this company called Les Mills, and so they only offer it at certain gyms. So if your gym does have access to Les Mills formats, I would definitely recommend, like, if you're looking into, like, starting a fitness journey and you want, like, some extra, like, external motivation from it, try group fitness. Like, don't be afraid of it. It's, like, it's kind of a cheesy community, like, kind of dorky, but, like, just embrace it because, like, trust me, I have found so much of myself through this, like, community and, like, finding this passion. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be afraid to, like, take that first step and just try it out. I feel like a cool thing to do would be if you led a group fitness thing for, for our friend group. <laughs> I, I would need, like, the facility and, like, you know, and also, yeah. like, only three people. I don't know. I think that'd be interesting. Like, yeah. I think I, I teach much better with, like, like lots of, of people. Like, yeah, more people. That's fair. Yeah, who are willing to do the high-intensity stuff. I'm willing. Okay. I'll bring a plus one who also wants to do high-intensity. Sure, sure, yeah. We might talk about that. Cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Um... We're coming down from our wine high. Yeah. I think we're just going to watch Netflix right now or something. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Yeah, chill. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, thanks for tuning in. This episode will be the, the sixth episode, um, and that is going to be a sixth of the way through this podcast series. Uh, the 36 questions are divided into 12 questions in three sets. Uh, so now we're halfway through the first set. Wow. And each of the sets is going to be more intense questions, more okay. diving deeper and deeper. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a journey, honestly. Recording a podcast is, is pretty fun and stressful sometimes, but mostly fun. I'm excited to see where this goes. Bye.